News. 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 New York City. The FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. <laughs> FAQ. This is not a normal episode of FAQ NYC. This is a miniature episode, a segment, a standalone, if you will. Welcome to FAQ NYC. This is Alex Brooklyn. I am woefully undereducated in the principles of economics, and yet I'm trying my hardest to keep everything straight as some of these looming decisions being made by our federal government and our state government as far as like where money goes and how it goes. I'm trying to keep it all straight. I'm having a little trouble. So I called my friend and friend of FAQ, Alexandra Skaggs, who's a finance journalist for Barron's, to help explain a few of the larger principles that are going to affect New Yorkers and Americans, but my concern, mainly New Yorkers, uh, in the coming days. Alexandra, hello. Hi, thanks for having me. It's Alexandra and Alexandra. Yeah. <laughs> That would the Alex podcast. The Alex, the Alex's podcast. Um, yep. So, tell me a little bit about uh, what New Yorkers need to understand about some larger economic ideas to prepare themselves for the coming days. Like, I feel like a lot of people are confused and are playing, as I am, some educational catch up to understand what's coming at us uh, from uh, from our president, from our governor, from our uh, mayor, things like that. So one of the interesting things that I've noticed, at least, is that a lot of people, even who specialize in economics and specialize in markets, really don't know how this is going to play out long term. Um, what they do have an idea of is the next several weeks, we'll say, or like three months, maybe. Um, and I think for that point, you know, there, everyone is pretty worried about job losses. And I think that that idea, um, is just one of, I mean, that's, that's what everyone is worried about right now. And the way that those sort of echo through the economy, um, is pretty bad. So this is kind of like an unprecedented crisis. It's just one of, it's funny. It's one of those things that people are saying, like, I'm even getting wall street reports that are like, oh, no one knows how this is going to play out, which uh, is actually pretty rare. Yeah, they um, they decided to keep the New York Stock Exchange open. I know there's been some some calls to close it. Um, I'm not really sure what that would do, but I'm imagining from the article I read it would have disastrous implications. I'm not sure that it would, actually. Um, I think some people think so just because if you close the market because it's down a lot, then that kind of freaks people out. So the next time the market opens, everyone runs to take their money out all at once. Um, so that would definitely be a disaster. But closing it now, things are a little bit less sane. I mean, I'm not sure that would actually be the worst thing ever, but um, I also could probably use a break myself. So <laughs> I could be biased. The Federal Reserve... Um, kind of comes into play in how that's uh, affecting or how it could affect a lot of uh, 
economic stimulus right now and when especially when people are worried about job loss but before we i ask you a bunch of questions about what they've been doing can you just give me a primer on the federal reserve and their relationship with corporations as opposed to their relationship with like governments like municipalities yes so the federal the federal reserve um it basically just like manages the money of the country like how many dollars are out there um how much currency is in circulation And one of the interesting things about the Federal Reserve is that it is actually owned by the banks. Um, The banks are all uh, shareholders, basically, in the Federal Reserve. And it manages um, the sort of economic policy through the banks and through corporations, mostly. And so um, it's a really interesting thing because as the Fed takes a bigger part of this sort of disaster response, um, I think that ends up actually having some political implications that are really interesting um, because they don't really see necessarily municipalities as their thing to manage. So um, the Federal Reserve has been really hesitant traditionally to lend to municipalities or states because they figure, okay, um, like Congress can just do that directly, right? Like they do, they want to make sure that they're sort of in their monetary box. And that's sort of been the story for most of the time that the Fed has been, has existed. And definitely since 1950 or the 1950s when they, when they separated themselves from the treasury. Um, but it's interesting, actually, uh, you know, we're talking Sunday and the story came out in the Wall Street Journal about how the Fed might actually introduce a new facility to lend money to municipalities and states. And that's very interesting because it shows that the Fed is thinking like, this is such a severe situation. Um, It's going to be so difficult for people to find financing that we want to step in and help out. What were the arguments before COVID-19 for uh, allowing the Federal Reserve to uh, lend money to municipalities? Okay, so this is actually a really fun, and it might be a little like nerdy. It's it's a really fun, like nerdy debate. We love Basically, fun and nerdy here. <laughs> <laughs> it's really entertaining. So like there there are a bunch of uh, progressive economists who I know they're they're like working with uh, institutions called like the Modern Money Network and basically trying to open up access to money and sort of make money creation, like the kind of money creation the Fed does, into more of a public good. And one way to do that and actually get things directly to people is by allowing the Fed to lend to state and local governments. And and that's really interesting because, like I said before, like they've never really done it. There are a couple of different ways that they can do it. Basically, there's like one camp that says the Fed should just like have this facility say, okay, we're going to lend to municipalities and just like make that a thing that they do. And there's this other group that actually wants state and local governments to be able to like print their own currencies. Wow. It's like exchange. I know. So I think that's a little bit more out there. Um, They want them to be able to exchange it with the federal government and say like, okay, it's backstopped by this much, but like kind of give more authority to the state and local governments. So is that like, like, 
Is that like a, that's a, a, a split. There's the majority of the progressive movement who just wants the Fed to be able to lend to municipalities. And then there's like a smaller, super progressive movement that wants like city yeah. and state to be able to print their own currency and trade that. What is there like a name for that? Or are there particular people who are advocating for that? Okay, so uh, my buddy Rowan Gray, who is an Australian economist, um, he I think he's working on the West Coast now at a university, but I think he's one of the ones who's really into the idea, and I think it's really entertaining because, of course, the United States like did this like before the Civil War. It's just that none of the currencies issued by the states were actually backed up by the federal government. So like it was a complete disaster, um, but that I think was because it wasn't there was no like fixed exchange rate between the states and the federal government. Barring the that kind of thing, there is a bunch of people that have been calling for the Fed to lend to municipalities. Uh, how long has that been something that people uh, on the progressive side have wanted? I think a few years. Um, I think that you know a lot of people on involved in progressive economics knew that something like this, you know, whether it was caused by a virus or some other kind of thing that would cause a downturn, I think they kind of realized that something was coming like this. And they sort of started coming up with policy ideas. And this is one of them. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be some climate change related thing. Not that pandemics can't be caused by climate change because of like a deforestation and all that. But I don't know as if yeah, I don't know. When I also often fantasized about the dystopia I would one day live in, it was never the pandemic dystopia because that's not as fun to imagine because you can't go outside. It's really interesting. Uh, actually, within the stimulus bill, um, about $454 billion is, is slated specifically for the Fed. And so that money is going to end up going to basically create these... Um, these like investment vehicles almost. I'm trying to think of a good way to describe them. Um, but basically the Fed's going to use that money and lever it up like 10 times. So like the, the actual amount of stimulus that should be going into the economy is about $4.5 trillion. Um, and they're going to do this by using it for lending. Yes. So they are backstopping loans. Um, they're backstopping different markets and different funds within markets. And um, one of the most interesting things is what they're doing that's new. So they're taking, at last check at least, they were taking um, $20 billion of, of this money. And they were going to use that to create $200 billion of business loans, basically. So like... Basically, companies can sell a certain amount of bonds directly to the Fed, and the Fed's going to hold them for, I think, up to five years. And the interest rates, of course, on these bonds are going to be really low. So the point is that basically the Fed is giving these companies loans that are more or less free. Like I, I think that the interest rate is maybe like a quarter of a percent, and they're going to have that money um, – hopefully to keep employers or employees employed, um, but maybe to do whatever they want. It's, it's not entirely clear yet. So there's no um, stipulations yet put in place where they would like, okay, we're going to give you this 
pretty much interest-free loan or like really low, low, low interest loan. Um, There's no like, but you have to use this percentage of it to keep employees or whatever. There's nothing like that on the table as of now. Um, So there are some restrictions on what companies can and can't do in the bill. Um, But it's sort of interesting because it's not entirely clear which companies they apply to. So for like mid-sized companies that get direct loans from, I think, the Fed, but also one of the Treasury-backed facilities, um, they can't buy back stock within a year after they get it. They can't um, buy back stock and pay dividends. And they also have all these other restrictions, like they can't outsource workers, they can't fire people, more than like 90% of their staff, or they have to keep 90% of their staff. Um, So there are some regulations and some reins that are pulled in on this money. Yes. The interesting thing is, it's not 100% clear that this actually applies to all of the companies that will be getting money. Because companies that sell bonds directly to the Fed you know, depending on the wording that's in there, they might be exempt from that. And like, I can't say that with like 100% confidence, because I think that probably depends on like, the way that lawyers interpret it. Um, But it seems pretty, like there's a pretty strong case that the big companies that sell bonds directly to the Fed will not have to uh, abide by those rules. Wow, I bet that's that's a whole that's a whole other episode yeah. in itself. Right. <laughs> Going forward, what I mean like what's happening with the markets? What's possible? How long do you think it is before you know the crisis hits an apex where we are going to be considered maybe going into a, another great depression? Is that possible? That's a really good question. So over over the next three months, I think we're really going to see the consequences of, of COVID-19 and sort of the decisions that companies are making today. Um, because a lot of the problem is that some of the companies or the companies that are getting hurt, hurt worst are small companies and medium-sized companies. And that's not always tracked very well. Like, you know, the restaurant on your corner that has to shut down and then lay off all of its chefs and wait staff. I mean, that itself is going to deal a blow to the whole neighborhood. But, um, you know, seeing the, like, it's not like the federal government is tracking that. So they don't necessarily know. And on the municipal side, um, you know, it seems like, you know, people are getting money, hospitals are getting money. Um, The state and city themselves don't seem to be getting that much money. So I think that's um, probably another important thing, too, just to pay attention, because they usually do end up getting most of their money from taxes. Right, and now taxes are put on hold. uh, Cuomo has been, uh, and Mayor de Blasio, have both been very publicly upset about the amount that the state got from the COVID uh, relief bill. And that was, I think, $3.8 billion for the state and $1.3 billion for New York City. And Cuomo is projecting that we're going to have losses in the 15 to $18 billion range as far as revenue goes. So if that isn't recouped, what could New Yorkers be facing money-wise? Like, is, would the whole state have to start borrowing 
Well, the the state borrows pretty regularly, and but like eighteen billion is actually kind of a lot for like a city or a state, like a single government to borrow at one time. Um, so usually the consequence of a state or city borrowing a lot ends up being higher interest rates, which just sort of raises the cost and sort of raises the future tax burden on people who live in the state. So taxes could go up. Um, It sort of depends because if the Fed does end up directly buying municipal bonds, then like that could end up changing because the then the, st- the city and state could end up borrowing a lot cheaper. Just as the last question, so this not quite a movement group of people, what are, are they like progressive economists or who are these people that want the Fed to start buying municipal bonds? Uh, so they are usually progressive economists. And they want the Fed to start buying munis because Basically, the Fed is buying directly companies' bonds right now, and they're saying, okay, companies, you have to borrow this much. Just um, we'll give you the money as long as you pay us back in five years. And you can imagine a situation where states would really benefit from that, right? But that's not happening I mean, I can now. I can imagine a situation now. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Uh, So um, I think it's a lot of people – involved with um, the Modern Money Network. I know that they're really good. Um, A guy on Twitter named Nathan Tankus who's been into it. Um, And I think there was a Bloomberg op-ed a few few days ago about why the Fed should buy munis. So those would all be good resources for people who want to learn more. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, And again, we are coming to you remote. I am in Greenwich Village in a rent-regulated apartment, and you are out in the world, um, (laughs) sheltering in place, or uh, as Andrew Cuomo eschews that term, everyone is taking a pause. But we are coming to you remotely. Uh, Alexandra is now talking to me through beautiful speakers that I have mic'd, and I hope you are safe and well. And again, thank you so much. Same to you. Thanks for having me.